Well, today I'm kind of continuing on the burden, but this is a sermon in itself. But if you remember the last Sunday sermon came out of a burden of an, reading an article that was talking about, you know, all these new churches are being planted, new communities are being saved, uh, especially from countries that we don't expect. And uh, you know, when, when I was reading this article, the whole, the approach of missions, the gospel just penetrating to some of the most difficult uh, communities across the globe, especially the Middle Eastern world, you know, the, the Far Eastern world. It's, it's amazing to see how the church of Jesus Christ is growing and, you know, he's just expanding it. And lo and behold, when persecution hits, that's when the church started to flourish. Perfect example, the early church from the book of Acts, you know, when persecution hit, it's not nice, you know, we don't pray for it and uh, we don't expect it, we don't pray for it, we don't uh, uh, kind of invite it, but yeah, if, when it comes, you know, we need to be prepared because it's going to be harsh. It's going to be, you know, it's going to cause a lot of trouble. But in the middle of all that, you, we see the sovereignty of God in the way the church expands. And also, parallelly, I was reading this article which talked about the number of churches being closed down, the number of churches either being turned, especially the cathedral kind of construction, constructed buildings being turned into pubs or another place of worship, saddens our heart when you see, you know, the whole vision being dissipated and how things can change. Reading this article, I just felt God started to challenge me and speak to me to teach the church to be prepared for longevity because many start the race. Only a few finish it. Well, that's not a fact that we should accept and say, yeah, I'm not, maybe I'm not part of the, the few. No, it's, it's, not, um, it's not the desire of the heart of God, but it's more like the condition. And that's why, you know, we have a mandate to teach the church from the word of God that the only thing that can protect us from falling away is our personal grounding in the word of God. Amen? You know, you doesn't matter what church we go to, it doesn't matter who you follow, it doesn't matter who you listen to, your personal grounding in the word of God is the only thing that will protect you when challenges come, when storms hit our life. So last Sunday I talked about, you know, the need to run with endurance. And today I want to talk about, and I was thinking about the parallel of a story that I picked up, almost like an entire chapter that you read, especially you know, look at, looking at the life of somebody who had an amazing beginning. You know, huge celebrations. The power of God coming over. Physical manifestation of unusual strength, wisdom, leadership qualities of someone who was mightily used by God. And yet, at some point of time, with the choices that we make or the distractions that come, which takes our focus away from God and sometimes the pressure of peers kind of hit us and now we kind of unknowingly go into a place of trying to please people. And we're going to run through a lot of points, but as I was reading this story, it kind of really challenged my heart. You know, we've heard a lot of sermons on obedience. You know, obedience is important. Yeah, it is true important. We need to be obedient. And so today I want to talk from a different perspective, the cost or the price that you pay for disobedience. 
And I picked up the story from the life of Saul from the Old Testament. The King Saul, the first king of the nation of Israel. In how he was, he was picked up by God. And the spectacular uh, ceremony of instituting him as the first king of the nation of Israel. I wanted to pay attention this morning. It's more like a burden, as I said, to prepare the church that it's not some, sometimes it's not those major decisions that destroy us. It's those everyday choices that leads us into a place. When you look back, you find yourself have come very far, compromised on a lot of things, and have lost a lot of things. The cost of disobedience sometimes is not immediately evident, but over a period of time, it stands and sticks in your face as something profound. And you wonder why I have arrived at this place. Now, if you look at the whole uh, purpose of God, you know, in rescu rescuing the children of Israel from Pharaoh, approximately 2 million to, or 2.5 million, that's 20 lakhs to 25 lakh people, have been rescued by a leader called Moses who was very reluctant to be, uh, to be engrafted into this uh, assignment. And God leads them because God says, you know, if you read uh, Exodus 3, you would hear God's heart when he was conversing and picking up Moses who was very reluctant. He was resisting God. He said, I've heard the cries of my people in Egypt. I have come to rescue them. I want you to go with me so I can empower you. And I want you to be my representative before the king. And he says, I'm going to put words in your mouth and you know, all that amazing things. And yet the guy you know, comes up with excuses. You know, he says, I'm living in obscurity. I don't know you. You know, I can't speak, blah, blah, blah. And God still picks him up. It's one thing to have a great plan of God in our lives. It is another thing to actually walk in that plan to come into the fulfillment of that promise. That's on an average about 2 million people were assigned to have this journey, which was supposed to be 11 and a half days of journey. Now, these people, out of 2 million only two enter into the promised land. Now you can do the math, it's unbelievable. Like one in a million entered the promised land. Now that immediately becomes an excuse for somebody, oh, then it's hard, it's tough, I, you know, it's okay the way I am. No, that's not the point. The point is that if you partner with God and allow God's word to be implemented in your everyday choices, it will eventually lead you into that place where you will continue to journey into, a, into your promised land. Now, I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not talking about, you know, doing the right thing all the time. Yeah, we fail, we make wrong choices. It's about what you do when God convicts you. You know, do we respond and turn around and ask Him to put us back on track? Or do we continue? As I said, it's all about choices. And here is a classic example of a man who was picked up by God. Great start. He obeyed the Lord. And then halfway through, or some, at some point of time, the pressure of peers, the pressure of community, or the loneliness of walking according to the principles of God, sometimes makes us discouraged and think about why go against the tide? Why can't I be like everybody else? And then he starts, you know, makes a wrong, wrong choice. It's almost like Peter. You know, when Jesus said, he said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. And Jesus, come. Peter steps out. 
Thus the beginning is great because he obeyed. Halfway through, he started to just get distracted. And then you would see him sink. And like, likewise, we see a great man of God who was mightily used by God. I mean, Saul is a great warrior. If you, in fact, if you look at the beginning of his journey, when God picked him up, the Bible says, I mean, this man is no ordinary man. You know, he was tall, handsome, muscular, you know, the king type of material. God anointed him. You know, when Jeb, in Jebish Gilead, you know, he just single-handedly mobilizes the entire people to fight against, you know, all the, the enemies of God, all those amazing things you read that. How can somebody who had a past glory, amazing victories, can slip away into a place, the Bible says, that the Lord has rejected Saul to be the king of the nation of Israel. My journey today is not about highlighting a man of God who fell to shame him. But my journey or my assignment on this journey is to help us identify, allow spaces as I run through some of those points where the Holy Spirit can minister to us. And maybe there is, there is an area, there is a season that you can connect to. And the Holy Spirit can turn on the searchlight so we can connect with him and say, God, would you help me, Lord? So that we learn lessons. Why would God allow that to be put into the scriptures? Because so that we can learn a lesson out of that. So that we, we don't fall into that as somebody else. So I want us to go through the story from 1 Samuel 15 and verse 1. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 1. Reading from the New King James Version. It says, Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord has sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore... Listen to the voice of the, the words of the Lord. Now here you see the assignment given, a specific assignment. And I believe we all have an assignment that from the day you have accepted the Lord. Now a lot of people for some reason think salvation is the end for Christianity. No, in fact it is the beginning of a new journey, a new assignment. Amen? It's not the end, it's the beginning. So when, it's almost like when God picked us up, there is an assignment that he gives to us. It says, verse 2, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambu ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man, woman, infant, nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. It's one of those sad scriptures in the Bible. We don't have time to explore into the why. Because a lot of people kind of argue, dispute, and say, how can a loving God allow this to happen? Especially when it comes to the, the babies, the nursing kids, all right? And we don't have time to go into all the details, but I want you to pay attention to the assignment that God gave about the Amalekites, a specific assignment. And this assignment was given by God it's almost the blueprint has been handed over. It said, follow these instructions. Look at Saul, verse 4. So Saul gathered the people together, numbered them in Telem, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. Saul began in obedience. A lot of us, we begin in obedience. We, want, we are zealous for God. We want to do something for the Lord. You know, something happens in our lives, we're excited for God. You get a prophetic word, God reveals your future. Somebody, you know, prophesies over you. you. We get excited about it. 
the beginning can be amazing. The assignment is very clear. Now, just to give you a little background about the assignment, why would God tell something like this to Saul to destroy the entire generation, you know, the entire clan of the Amalekites? Now, if you have to go back into the history, and in Deuteronomy you would read the story, the Amalekites represents, represent as the enemies of God without any provocation. They attack the children of Israel as soon as they leave Egypt. I mean, they had their own misery, all right? Pharaoh changing his mind all the time, all right? They were struggling in themselves, and after they left, all right, the Amalekites, un, you know, they, nobody provoked them. They just come in and attack the children of Israel. Now, that's not what God was upset about. What was God upset about was the Amalekites were known to be like dogs in their battles. What do I mean? Now, in every battle, there are some norms. Every battle is waged face to face. Because in the front, you have your foot soldiers. You have your chariots. You have your best um, armed men. You have your soldiers, the strong men that will protect the rest of the band. But the Amalekites attacked the children of Israel from the back. And at the back were women, children, the sick, and the elderly. And when they attacked the vulnerable, the helpless, somebody who cannot defend themselves, they just destroyed. By the time the army realizes, you know, they wiped out quite a number of people. That was the reason why God said, wipe these guys out. It's a spirit. It's an Amalekite spirit. It's a spirit that deceives. It's a spirit that attacks. It's a spirit. And I believe that even though this is, um, you know, figuratively, um, you know, there is something that we can learn, but I believe that there is a spirit of an Amalekite. And when this spirit operates, there is no decency. There are no norms. He just comes in, divides, destroys, and sets people apart and destroys your focus from your destiny or the purpose that God has for your life. So God says, I don't want this spirit to ever come back. He said, just wipe them out. Now, Saul sets out, okay? That's, that's the assignment. Now, let's look at the disobedience in the assignment. Uh, go to verse 7. As, and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is the east of Egypt. He also took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. That's the first thing that he did something wrong. He was supposed to wipe them out, right? And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and his people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they had utterly destroyed. It was almost like a selective obedience. They destroyed everything that was worthless. And it's so easy for us to get rid of something that's worthless, something that's not really important to us. You know, we like some things. It can be a habit or it can be a company. It can be a group of friends or it can be a practice that we are involved in and something that is dear to our heart. And when the Lord speaks to us, he says, you know, sometimes this can come in between you and your destiny and God wants to get rid of us. It's almost like a selective, something that's worthless, something that's not useful to us. It's so easy to give up. And then he kept the best. All right? Now we see the disobedience of Saul because he comes to a point not to obey the Lord. 
Let's look at the cost or the price he paid for this disobedience. Verse 10 of 1 Samuel 15. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. I mean, these are words of God. It says, I regret. I feel sorry. I shouldn't have done this. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. Go to verse 17. So Samuel said, now Samuel was confronting Saul. You read the rest of the story. When he confronted him, he reminds him of his beginning. He says, Saul, do you even know that while you lived in obscurity, while nobody paid attention to you, while you were nobody, you had no skill, you were not recognized, you did not amount to anything. It's almost like us, right? Before the cross, we were doomed for de you know, destruction. We were lost in our, in our sinful world. But thank Jesus, God always finds us in our place of misery, in our place of being lost and being destitute. That's why the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, God set his love upon us. Aren't we glad this morning that God picked us up? Amen? Amen? Aren't we glad this morning that God picked us up while we were nobodies? Look at him. While you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribe of the Israel and did, and did not God anoint you the king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down onto the spoil to do this evil in the sight of the Lord? The price that he paid because of the disobedience. Now listen to this. I mean, in this case, this was a big thing. But a lot of times, it is the small negligence to the voice of the Lord. The small promptings of the Holy Spirit. To make the right choices when we ignore that. It kind of develops into a habit and it takes us, it derails us from the purpose of God and takes us into a place. When you look back, the cost that you paid, the price that you paid for that is huge. Let's look at the reason. All right? The reason that Saul did this. Verse um, 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of the rams. For rebellion is as sin of a witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. I wish we had more time to unpack that. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also rejected you from being a king. Look at verse 27, or 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. Now listen to this last part. Because I got distracted with the fear of people. I got distracted with the opinions of people. Did you know that a lot of times, you know, for you to get derailed from your destiny, there are people that you, the people that you associate with. That's why if you remember last time I talked about, surround yourself with witnesses and not spectators. Because the people that you hang out with, the people that you do life with is important because they infuse either confidence, they either, you know, infuse faith in you to propel you into your destiny or they can derail you. 
said, I almost got caught up. I got distracted to please my people because I'm sure there were some of his commanders who kept saying, Paul, I mean, this, look at this, this is really nice. Do you really need to destroy that? Why can't we take it back? Maybe we can give a portion to the Lord. You know, it's almost like you're trying to make a deal with God. I get the best of everything, I'll give you a portion, and the Lord will forgive me. Because I got influenced by the opinions of people and obeyed their voice. I don't know who I'm speaking with this morning. There are times, you know, when people, there is a pressure on us. Maybe sometimes there are, you're the only person in the group of people that you are in that you want to stick to something right and everybody is on the other side. And you feel like, is this really needed? Do I need to swim against the tide? Do I need to go against the norm of the day? You know, there's pressure all the time. But the small choices of disobedience will lead you into a place, when you look back, the price that you pay is quite huge. Saul was rejected by God. The Lord said, I'm not going to... Immediately, I mean, on that day, listen to this very carefully. On that day, God rejected him. But he, he still continued to be the king for a season. You can lose your anointing, but you can still continue in a role for a while. Let's look at how desperate Saul gets. Go to 1 Samuel 28. We're just jumping to another chapter. 1 Samuel 28 and verse 4. There was a situation when Saul was facing the Philistines once again. They gathered together and came and encamped in Shunem. So Saul gathered all the Israel together and encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. He was in a situation again. Verse 6, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him. Either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophet. God never spoke to him. Because the pattern in the old, olden times was dreams. A God would use a prophet to speak to them and there was absolute silence. Saul was desperate for God to do something. He was so desperate that he wanted a strategy. For, I mean, he knew not that he was a, a bad man, but the, the choices he made brought him to a place that God had to reject him. But he knows the, 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 the need for the strategy of God. It's almost like you know, we know what we need to do, but we don't have the strength or the courage or we can't make the determination to make those choices. And when Saul inquired, the worst place that you could be in is God goes silent on us. I mean, there are times when God goes silent because he's teaching us something. I'm not talking about there are times, you know, you know that you messed up and God goes silent on you. And the guy gets so desperate. Look at this. It's unbelievable what he did. Verse uh, 7. Then Saul said to his servants, can you imagine? He says, the Lord is not answering. Let me go to a witch. Find me a woman who is a medium, a witch, a sorcerer, that I may go to her and find out from her. And the servant said to him, in fact, there is a woman who is a, is a witch at Endor. Verse 8, so Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes. And he went and two men with him and they came to the woman by night and he said, please perform a ritual for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. Saul actually consults the medium or the witch to communicate with the dead. Can you see this? How messed up we can be to get just because. I mean, nobody arrives at that place overnight. 
In fact, we, we, we missed a point. The reason why he brings Agag the king is he actually sets up his monument. He makes a statue of himself as a, as a, you know, as a sign of victory, as a sign of pride. He sets up his own statue. So that people will say, oh, wow, what a great man Saul is. The accolades of people, the appreciation that comes from people. That's why he said, for I have feared the people. Church, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lonely journey at times when you have to walk with the Lord. Sometimes you can be in a place where you're all by yourself. And it's difficult to make a choice not to please people. But I want to encourage each one of us today. And I'm praying that, you know, as we run through this story, that God would highlight, you know, some of our own conditions or seasons or circumstances that we are in so that God can draw us back because the price that you pay for disobedience is huge. Can you imagine somebody who had a great installation ceremony? Mighty power of God demonstrated running after the demonic and evil witchcraft hours to consult with dead spirits. It's one of the most shameful things that you'd ever see uh, the, you know, a man just walking away from God. And I believe the reason why God allowed that to be put into the scripture so that we can learn a lesson that if you're not careful that you know we get so desperate that we do crazy things like Saul. Let's look at the effect of this. Give me five minutes and I'm going to wrap this up. All right. One Samuel 30. Now if you this will help us understand the cost of disobedience or the price you pay for disobedience sometimes not only costs us, but it also affects the people in our world and also sometimes the next generation. All right? Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burnt it with fire and had taken captive the women and children those who were with them from the small to the great and they did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. Now, you would see the same Amalekites that were supposed to be wiped out because of Saul's disobedience. He allowed this generation to regrow and come back and attack the children of God once again. Had Saul been obedient to destroy that, we wouldn't have seen Ziklag being attacked. Some, <coughs> excuse me. Sometimes our choice, you know, the, the choices we make not only affects us, but it also has a ripple effect for the future. Our disobedience can cause somebody else to pay a price. It's a great leadership principle. As leaders, if, we, if you're not doing the right thing, you know, it, it kind of has a ripple effect and it costs, you know, another generation, another set of people will pay the price. Look at verse 3. So David and his men came to the city and it was burnt with fire and their wives and, you know, uh, their sons and daughters had been taken captive. And David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And then go to verse, uh, I think it's 7. Now, yeah. Now, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son and daughter. It was a crazy time. Had Saul obeyed him, we wouldn't be seeing this day. So sometimes we don't even think about it, you know. You know, if we, the choices that we make, it's not only going to affect us, sometimes it's going to affect the people around us. The classic example, the effect of disobedience can go far than today and the people that we are associated with. 
That's why God said, destroy them, wipe them out. Because the spirit of Amalekite is always going to come back and attack them. You see the same pattern? Go to verse 1. Or 2. They had come when all the men went for war, picked up women from small to great, the sick, the elderly, and they carried them away. It's the same pattern. And I believe that the spirit of Amalekite is still prevalent. They attack you when you're, when you're weak. They attack, you know, if they can't touch you, they touch your children. If they can't touch you, they'll touch your business. If they can't touch you, they'll touch your family. That's why God said, destroy the spirit of Amalekite. Amen. Can I have the team up, please? Why don't we all stand to our feet? I want to pray with you right now. Just close your eyes for a few seconds. I want this word to kind of sink into your spirit. Father, we thank you, God. What great lessons, Lord, that we can learn from the life of Saul. And God, I pray, would you speak to us, Father? From, from this story, Lord, if there is some relevance, Lord, either through a season or a point in our lives that reckons with this journey in the life of Saul. Holy Spirit, I pray, would you move among us, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name. Church, if you feel the Lord is convicting you, if the Lord is challenging you, can we come to him and say, Father, forgive us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to make the right choices. God, help us, Father, to make those choices every day that will lead us into our destiny. That we will be part of the one in the million and not one among the million. Holy Spirit, challenge us, Lord. May this word continue to work in our lives and let it bear much. We thank you, Lord. Church, I want to give you an opportunity. If there's anyone who's never made a commitment to follow Jesus, maybe you're visiting with us for the first time or you've been coming to church for some time. I want to give you an opportunity. Today, you can find your destiny in God. You can come to the cross and Jesus will accept you. He will forgive you of whatever we've done and he can give us a new beginning. Is there somebody who says, I want to give my life to Jesus today? Can you just put your hand up? I want to pray with you. Anybody like that? Father, we thank you, God, for your word today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you bless us, Lord. Bless this word, Father. May it continue to produce the right fruit in our lives, O God. We thank you, God, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, come on, do you want to give him praise for his word this morning? God bless you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday morning.